the play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, June 7th. I almost got ahead of myself there. June 7th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Get Home Safe podcast. Whenever you're listening or watching us on YouTube, don't forget for those that are maybe new to the podcast or uh, are used to listening that we do have a YouTube channel. And you got to look at my ugly mug, which is kind of weird. And I always struggle to kind of get the lighting just right here. Try to come up with, a, you know, a new hat or new shirt or something. And today I'm definitely wearing my uh, NCAA umpire hat here uh, in honor of so many of the guys, so many of the boys, all the uh, my buddies out there who umpired the regionals this weekend across the country. I never got to work a, a Division One regional but uh, one of the true honors for me was working a Division II regional back in 2018. So that's how I landed the hat. Uh, but uh, I've been watching so many college baseball games over the weekend, watching my buddies work. And it's a lot of fun for me to see guys work in big games, guys that I know personally, and uh, just, just so much fun. So um, congrats to all of them. And, and I've been watching, like I said, so much college baseball over the weekend. Uh, couldn't can't can't get enough of it for some reason a little easier to watch maybe when you're not an umpire and not having to stress out about uh, the games and such uh we're gonna get to the regionals and talk about all of that because um i am uh i don't know i'm weird that way i like the college baseball postseason over 100 games in four days uh, most of the regionals are uh finalized already they have been decided with some uh, some sweeps of the regional, you know, double elimination and such. Uh, but there's today, it's, uh, you know, game seven Monday. There's like, what is, I think, six or seven game sevens, winner take all regional uh, t- title games, basically, that uh, I will be tuning in to, to and some great ones. So I'll get to all that in a second. I'll break down the regionals, kind of look back on some of my proje- predictions from earlier in the week. Uh, last week, that was regarding um uh regarding uh, who would who would come out of each regional all 16 of them i got the tv on right now looks like there's a rain delay in uh in mississippi uh another one in in florida uh old southern miss and old miss are supposed to be playing here shortly in a uh in a regional title and then uh, south alabama and south florida are, are playing each other in a regional title down in gainesville in florida that no one saw coming so again we will get to all that uh, at some point here in the show, we have a suds with studs segment that I want to get to last week was Memorial day last Monday anyway. And I talked kind of what Memorial day means to me paying tribute to everyone who's fought and died for this country. Right. Well, um, so I didn't do one specific suds with stud, uh, suds with, uh, you know, one specific guy or a group of people that I usually do. So we are going to do one uh, today and it is June 7th. It's one day uh, removed, but, uh, you know, D-Day, June 6, 1944. Uh, June 6th remembrance was yesterday on Sunday. And for those of you that don't have that 
uh, date in your mind. I mean, th- there's just a few dates in this country that you should be aware of. Uh, you know, 9-11 is a big one. Um, June 6th was D-Day when, uh, you know, not just America, but the Allied forces, um, to, you know, went into Europe to liberate Europe from uh, the Nazis and tyranny and uh, World War II. Uh, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. That's a pretty uh, important day to remember uh, when we lost so many people. So uh, June 6th, I mean, I, I went into all the Memorial Day specifics really last week, but kind of, you know, what guys might have been thinking and going through uh, in, in different battles throughout uh, American history and everything. But D-Day is a big one, man. D-Day, those guys jumping out of airplanes behind enemy lines the night before the landings. Um, the landings themselves coming off the landing craft and uh, facing certain death with machine gun fire and mortars trying to get through, uh, you know, water up to your up to your waist in water and get through that as machine guns are pouring down on you uh, on a sandy beachhead. I mean, it's just. I, I, I stop and think about the guys who were so terrified, probably throwing up, probably crying a little bit praying, um, begging for their mothers, whatever, whatever random thoughts they were experiencing at the time before those doors opened in those boats, knowing very well that they never were going to stand a chance. And it was just a matter of uh, the allied forces that just kept pushing troops off those landing crafts. That was the only way we were going to get through there. And the first few waves just had no chance. I mean, all the boats, all, all 40 guys, or how many guys were in each landing craft, 50, 100, I don't know, uh, just wiped out each and every one of them until eventually we just overwhelmed um, the, the, uh, the Nazis there on the, uh, the shores of France. So uh, never forget D-Day, uh, an incredible, incredible moment in, in history. The greatest, uh, what was it? The greatest amphibious landing in, uh, in, in world's history or something like that. I, I don't know all the, you know, I'm, I'm not totally prepared, but uh, always remember D-Day, man. Um, June 6th, 6 6 it's easy to remember. And uh, I always think about the guys who, you, man, the guys who survived it too. What an incredible um, story to tell. If you even would want to tell that story, I don't know. That would seem uh, like something you'd probably keep to yourself, but with all the bloodshed, there on D-Day, uh, you know, we are just, we counter, we have to count our blessings and we have to remember moments in history and days like that, um, that really, I think, put things in perspective. We, we live in this society now where everybody complains about everything and life's whole hard and this and that. And yeah, I know it's a little extreme. I'm talking about landing crafts at D-Day, but it just, it makes me not complain as much, not like, you know what? 36 years old, a lot of these guys who in, uh, in D-Day were on those landing crafts, jumping out of those airplanes. I mean, they were half my age. They're 18 years old, guys, uh, 19, 20 guys that were, you know, doing what they felt was necessary, fighting evil. And uh, I just, I can't say it enough. I, I think about uh, World War II, that generation so much, so often. I, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II, and so... Um, it's, we, we are slowly kind of losing them or have lost a lot of those veterans just with old age and everything. Um, there's one I'm going to specifically talk about today 
that was the last surviving Medal of Honor winner uh, from World War II in the European theater. So uh, he recently passed away in April, and he's going to be our honoree today in Suds with Studs, which I want to do right now. But first, a couple kind of a, uh, a, a summary, if you will, of some of the things we're going to talk about today. I'm going to break down the regionals. I'm going to talk about the Mayweather-Paul uh, fight box in boxing from Sunday night. Uh, I have uh, I had an email from Todd Carson, who's actually I'm going to be hanging out with later today, watching a little college baseball, something he and I both uh, really like. And I think we like it just because it's not as other people aren't as into it. And so for me, I don't always like doing the popular thing. I like doing the thing that I like, something that suits me. So uh, so Todd and I watch a little uh, baseball today. Uh, let's see. Uh, I am also going to say a few things about uh, pay-per-view. Uh, I have a, some comments there. Check swings in baseball. I, I, I'm hearing more of my broadcasters uh, complain about some things in baseball, and I'm just like, listen, <laughs> you got to know the, know what you're talking about before you just randomly spew out stuff. And I know you guys are probably like, well, Matt, that's what you do or don't do. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But anyway, um, I'll talk about the NHL playoffs uh, just briefly. And uh, Julio Jones to the Titans, I'll touch on that. The Real Hondo Prep softball team. I don't talk, uh, you know, I talk mostly Real Hondo Prep football, of course, but the Real Hondo Prep softball team in the semifinals, I believe, um, uh, what is her name? Kiana Dor uh, has uh, pitched the cares uh, deep into the postseason, she just continues to uh, light people up with uh, her pitching. Um, not on the, not on the, uh, not on the mound. What do they call it? In the circle, right? I don't know much about softball. I know I see a little bit of the women's college world series every year, but uh, the, the Rio Hondo Prep Care softball team going to give them some love and, and read an article uh, about their uh, recent playoff success. So, congrats to them. RHP girls have never won a, uh, a softball title. So, uh, hey, right on the cusp, they're going to be playing Lompoc on Tuesday. And uh, I'll get into all of that. So that's just kind of a summary. Um, uh, the Los Angeles LeBrons, they they uh, they lost. So LeBron will have more time for maybe activism and things. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll get on. We're, we're going to touch on all that. All that today. Great big show. Uh, I'm by myself as I always am on Mondays. So you guys will have to bear with me. It's just me and uh, my cup of coffee here. And uh, I'm awaiting this rain delay here in um, whatever, whatever. Uh, this, that's the problem I have in regionals down in the south in Florida and Mississippi and places like that. Because when I was in Florida in 2009, three separate times, three separate, you know, I was there half of the year, it seems like. Um, it, you know, we, we joked about it. Hey, every day at four o'clock, set your watch to it. Every day at four o'clock, it rains. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, let's get into our Suds with Studs segment to start off today's show. I'm going to be talking to you today about Charles Henry Coolidge, who passed away April 26, 2021. He was a United States Army technical sergeant and recipient of the Medal of Honor for his actions in France during World War II. We had just talked about D-Day and, uh, you know, that operation in, in Normandy in France. So I thought this would be rather relative to talk about with uh, about our, uh, our honoree here. At the time of his death, Coolidge was the only surviving Medal of Honor recipient from the European theater of the war and the only surviving honoree to have received the Medal of Honor during the war. 
with Herschel W. Williams receiving the Medal of Honor after the war on October 5th, 1945. So uh, pretty significant here with uh, Mr. Coolidge, or I should say Sergeant Coolidge, for the uh, for his uh, heroism and uh, his accomplishments. And let's see, he lived quite, quite the life. That is, uh, he just died in 2021. He was born in... 1921 so just shy of his uh, birthday in august so 99 years old uh couldn't quite get there to 100 but uh, god bless mr coolidge and i want to read to you now from his obituary that will touch a little bit on his uh, his uh, valiant uh, acts from uh, world war ii so here is our suds with studs uh segment today honoring mr charles henry coolidge This is from his obituary authored by Brad Coolidge. Tennessee has lost the beloved son and one of its bravest men. Charles Henry Coolidge, 99, of Signal Mountain, passed away peacefully April 6, 2021, at Memorial Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, surrounded by family. He was awarded a Bronze Star and a Silver Star in 1944 and the Medal of Honor in 1945 for his remarkable bravery in battle while serving with the 36th Infantry Division in North Africa, Italy, France, and Germany during World War II. In 2006, he was belated he was belatedly awarded France's highest military decoration, the Legion d'Honneur, Legion of Honor by officials of the French consulate. Charles was born on Signal Mountain, Tennessee in 1921 and was the son of the late Walter Parlin Coolidge and Grace Irene McCracken Coolidge. He graduated from Chattanooga High School in 1939 and went to work in the family business as a bookbinder at Chattanooga Printing and Engraving. On June 16, 1942, He entered the Army and after training in Georgia, Alabama, and North Carolina, was sent to the European Front in the spring of 1943. He saw service in North Africa, Italy, including the infamous crossing of the Rapido Rapido River and the Battle of Monte Cassino in early 1944. Also seeing action in France and Germany and was part of the first American division to invade Europe during the war. On May 25, 1944, he landed at Anzio with the 36th Infantry Division and helped open the gates of Rome for the 5th Army. It was for his gallant actions at Anzio that he was awarded the Silver Star. He, along with the rest of the 36th Infantry Division, was then pulled out of Italy and the division landed on the beaches of southern France in August 1944 to begin their march toward the Stinkfried Line. In October 1944, just east of the small French town of Belmont-sur-Boutin, after securing their objective and leading a section of heavy machine guns and platoons of men, Technical Sergeant Coolidge ran into an enemy force in the woods, estimated to be an infantry company supported by tanks. There being no officer present, he immediately assumed command of the combat group and advanced in the open, calling for the enemy force to surrender. The enemy answered immediately with automatic weapons fire, and instead of taking cover, Technical Sergeant Coolidge immediately began to get his men dug in and coordinated a counterattack. 
Over the course of four harrowing days, the enemy launched repeated attacks against the position while technical Sergeant Coolidge walked up and down the front line in direct line of fire, leading, calming, and reassuring his men, most of whom were fresh recruits. Outnumbered and outgunned, the small combat group was able to repeatedly repel the enemy force due to Coolidge's adept leadership. As the fighting carried into the fourth day, German reinforcements arrived and two tanks advanced on Coolidge's position. It became apparent that the enemy would overrun their position and Coolidge directed an orderly withdrawal, being himself the last to leave the position. The platoon had held off an entire company of German infantry supported by tanks for four days, and not a single American life was lost. For his heroic and superior leadership over those intense four days of fighting, he was awarded the Medal of Honor in June 1945 at the age of 23. Upon returning to Signal Mountain from his military service, he married the late Francis C.P. Coolidge, on October 14, 1945, and started a family. Charles and Francis had three boys, Charles Jr., William, and John. Charles worked briefly for the Veterans Administration in the years immediately following World War II, but eventually went back to the family business at Chattanooga Printing and Engraving, a company his father founded in 1910. He retired from the family business at the age of 95. Well, it goes without saying, but uh, Mr. Coolidge, you are absolutely someone I would love to sit down and have a beer with, and not just by the first round, sir, but every single round. Uh, what a hero, what a stud, what a, a legend, really, um, to be called to do something that, you know, so many of us were called in to do things that we're not expecting to do. He wasn't expecting to be a leader that day or for those four days. Right. But there was no um, officer there and he just took charge and he said, okay, it's me. It's me rather than sit around and be like, well, someone else should do this. No, he took charge of the situation, saved countless lives and prevented that German force from advancing at a pretty critical time of the war. I might add, um, I've read extensively on a lot of these battles and the timing in which things happened. Um, so it's just delaying a force like that uh, was something that could have prevented so many uh, more lives from being lost in uh, the aftermath. So uh, man, what, what a story there recently passed away a couple months ago in April, but what a life. And then he works uh, the family business, living the American dream, right? Works until uh, 95 years old. I mean, what a guy, I mean, I guess when you're a medal of honor winner at 23 years old, yeah, you kind of just want to work the rest of your life and, uh, and raise a family. So to Charles Henry Coolidge, uh, Sergeant, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, you've inspired so many as part of that, you know, that D-Day force that was uh, liberating France and uh, all the different places he served to Anzio. I mean, Italy and, and then North Africa, all those places where uh, the allied forces were uh, fighting, fighting the Axis powers. And uh, man, what what a what an amazing story. Uh, God bless you, sir, Mr. Coolidge and your entire family. And again, it would be a tremendous honor. I know it's not possible since 
you've passed away, but it would be a tremendous honor to sit down and have a beer with you and not just by the first round, but every single round. So that's, that is uh, more guys of the type of people we want to talk about here on Suds with Studs in, uh, in, uh, in our Monday episodes here. And if you guys ever have anybody that you think I should mention or, you know, fallen officer or military personnel, guys of that nature, definitely throw them my way because I love honoring these people even if it's briefly and I wish I could do more, but uh, Hey, anyway, that's uh, our studs with stud segment today to start off our week. All right. So last night was uh, the Mayweather Paul fight. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about boxing before and how there's like this, I don't know, like, I don't know if the boredom with boxing or boxing is trying to make a comeback. And then they're also putting out these fights that is like, you know, retired veteran fighters coming back and fighting these YouTube guys or these, you know, we saw a former NFL player, Chad Johnson got in the ring. I mean, there's, I don't know exactly what it is, what you call this. It's almost has like this WWF feel to it, although it's real fighting, you know, it's not just um, theater like uh, wrestling is sometimes, but anyway, uh, Logan Paul, you know, his brother, uh, Jake Paul, they're, they're both these YouTube guys that are trying to become these boxing stars. And, and I'll tell you this, I'll tell them they're making a lot of money off it. I know that every time they step in the ring, uh, either fighting a, a UFC guy or fighting, uh, in, in Jake Paul's case, a retired basketball player, Nate Robinson, uh, Logan Paul had fought someone before. I'm not sure who it was, but, uh, to fight, fight Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition, eight rounds, um, with really no weight restrictions, uh, Logan Paul is significantly taller than Floyd, May- Floyd Mayweather, and he was out. He outweighed him by like thirty pounds. So it was like I don't know if it's supposed to be this equalizer. Uh, you could definitely see in Floyd Mayweather, a legend, right? Um, Fifty and zero in his career, and uh, arguably one of the best boxers of all time. Uh, to come out of not out of retirement really but to fight in an exhibition that doesn't really count i mean the fight went the distance and for that i think that was a victory for logan paul he looked exhausted after a couple rounds where floyd mayweather and the limited experience i've seen in him is he kind of you know tactically is kind of figuring guys out he's very defensive and then uh he his head movement and dodging and oh man you know bobbing and weaving man what a what a defensive fight. He, I think he still got it. I don't know if he could still fight a guy at his weight, a professional fighter, I should say at his, at that weight cut at his weight class, but uh, he seemed to be doing okay with the bigger guy, a guy who doesn't have a, a ton of professional experience in Logan Paul. Uh, but I was, I'll say this at Logan Paul at 26, I think he is 26 years old. He's got some skills. He's got some talent. I'd like to see him go up against somebody who's in his weight class. I think he'd probably get clobbered. Uh, in that sense, but uh, he was leaning on uh, Mayweather a little bit. That took a toll, I'm sure, on a bigger guy. A bigger guy, right? That's why you have weight limits in boxing, not weight limits, but weight classes, so that it's a neutral field, if you if you will. You know, uh, that's why little guys don't fight big guys. I mean, there's just there, there's just too much going on. There's too many elements to it. So Logan Paul went the distance, and I think uh, Mayweather was a little surprised by him. Logan Paul looked pretty winded. Uh, Mayweather looked like, I don't know, like he's ready to fight another fight. I mean, he was, the guy doesn't age much. I'll give him that. And it was cool to see him back in the ring. Uh, Again, one of the greatest of all time. And uh, Jake Paul, I mean, he was outside the ring tweeting and shouting and doing all these things. Also, the, the, the Paul brothers are pretty obnoxious, but 
they're running with this thing. They're making some money. Maybe it's making a joke of boxing. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of people tuned in. I know I did. I know I did. And a lot of other people did. So uh, it's intriguing a little bit, at least for now. And I don't know what moving. I think there's going to be more of this. There seems to be a market for it, an audience for it. Uh, people maybe who are bored with regular boxing that are like, wait, who's fighting who? Wait, you know, I, I was uh, out at a restaurant uh, Sunday night. Yes, an actual restaurant here in California it was uh, quite, uh, quite amazing. And uh, I was had the kind of the early fights on on my phone. And even the waitress who was coming by, she kept saying, how's the fight going? Did it start yet? Like she knew. And she didn't strike me as a big boxing fan, but she knew uh, probably the Logan Paul side of things, the, the young YouTuber going up against the legend, uh, Floyd Mayweather. So there was some intrigue. And, and I want to I move to my next point here, but I asked another, uh, I called ahead to another place and said, hey, are you showing this fight tonight? And uh, the, the lady on the phone says, no, we've been asked like a hundred times that today. Uh, we're not getting the fight. And I thought to myself, all right, pay-per-view, the whole concept of pay-per-view, it's annoying. And I know there's other people out there who find ways around it. I, I won't uh, bring anything up of that nature, but as far as pay-per-views go in, in, in boxing or MMA, I, I can't for the life of me understand why bars and restaurants, why on a fight that you know people are calling you and asking, hey, are you showing this fight? Why in the world would you not pay the 50 bucks 70 bucks, whatever it is, even if you have to pay that for multiple TVs or pay for one TV and put it on a big one, I don't know. You're telling me you wouldn't make that money back and probably make a lot of business if you then publicized to the masses in, in for weeks building up to the fight. Hey, we're showing the fight. Make sure you're here Saturday night. Make sure you're here, um, you know, get here by whenever. Even if there's a $5 cover, which you shouldn't have, but you shouldn't have a cover. People are going to spend money in alcohol and food uh, and, and more than make up for uh, what you lose with the pay-per-view cost. I can't understand why certain restaurants and bars don't put out pay-per-view more often. Some do, and I applaud them for it. But I was rolling my eyes. I thought to myself, I said, if, if, you, if you literally mean 100 people called your restaurant and asked you if you're going to have the fight on or not, do you think those 100 people are still going to come to your restaurant? Or they're probably going to go somewhere else or maybe stay home. So theoretically, let's call it 50 people. Let's not say 100. Let's say 50 different groups of people called you to ask you that. It's probably not one person, right? There are probably three or four people with them. So think of the business you lost out on because you wouldn't spend a few dollars for a pay-per-view fight. You got to spend money to make money. And I know it's new, especially restaurants in California. You're, you're, you're missing out. You're, you've had to fight these draconian measures and things. I know you're kind of getting back on your feet. But you got to spend money to make the money. I mean, that will bring people in. It's like not having the sports package for you know, NFL or, or, or whatever. But in fighting, pay-per-view, people, people don't always want to do it at their house. They want to be in a crowd of people. They want to go somewhere where they can uh, get their money's worth, really. I think some of these restaurants and bars, they need to do a better job of that. Cause I, I chuckled to myself. I was like, you just told me that. It, it, I mean, it's not difficult to do. <laughs> you, you push a button pay-per-view. Yes. Pay $50, pay $70. And yeah, that's money out of your pocket, but I guarantee you more would have come in. And some, there are some pay-per-views that shouldn't be pay-per-views. I totally get that. Trust me. 
I, I don't buy every single one because uh, you know it adds up quickly. But there's usually one a month that's that's worth paying for once every couple months that uh, people are intrigued and and want to uh, want to uh, check it out. So uh, that's my plea to some of these restaurants and uh, and bars is that hey uh, let's let's get your your pay per view uh, actions going. Uh, people are going to come. People are going to stay longer. They're going to spend more money probably. And I think overall, it's going to uh, turn a profit for you. So please, please, pay-per-view. It's, uh, it's a thing. It hasn't gone away. And uh, man, bring in the business. So, okay. Uh, so Mayweather versus Paul. And, and on that note, there was something else that I've talked about before on the podcast that I haven't been able to figure out why it doesn't happen more often. But I got to tell you, Sunday night boxing, it works. There's, there's, everyone wants to always be on Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday night, the prime time, right? Sunday night boxing, man. I'm telling you, put this stuff on Sundays. The NFL plays on Sundays, even if it's not at night, even if it's that late afternoon, Sundays, most people are home, home with family, kind of relaxing at the end of the week. Um, They're not out somewhere. Uh, you know, on a Saturday night or at some some show or concert or something. Most people are home on Sundays. Put boxing, put MMA on Sundays outside of the football season, of course, because no one will watch it during the NFL season. But man, from February through August, put some big fights on on Sundays. I tell you, it works, man. You're kind of sitting around during the day, not much to do. Don't do Sunday mornings. You know, that's for the, for the church going type. And um, But afternoons, into the early evening, I think it's great. Maybe not that nine o'clock, uh, you know, fight in Florida, you know, nighttime for those poor people who have work the next day, but Hey, Florida, uh, it's a free state and people love just uh, doing whatever. I, I would love to see more boxing on Sundays, more UFC on Sundays. Most people are doing things on Saturday nights, right? Uh, going out to dinner. And while, yeah, I just ta- argued about, Hey, having, having fights on the, there's a lot going on. I think Sundays would be such a great fit Sunday afternoon, early evening. I, it was great. I was like, this is, I like this Sunday night. Valerie and I were watching and uh, I was like, we had, we went and had dinner, watched a little bit on the phone, got home, watched the main event and uh, everyone was happy. What can I say? Life is good. I think, I think it's almost like a, a better fit to have fighting on Sundays. Right. Worship, worship the Lord first, and then uh, watch some people fight each other. What the, how can you go wrong? It's great. Let's see more fighting on Sundays. I don't know who I'm talking to. Who's going to listen to me? But boxing, MMA, Sunday, Sunday night boxing works. People are home. Most people, even if you work, because people like me work Saturdays, and there's a lot of people that work Saturdays, but I would say a majority of people are off on Sundays. Most, most every business out there is off on Sundays, minus restaurants and things. So I, I think, I, I don't know. They should try it for like a few months to see if the numbers and the ratings and the viewings, viewing is, uh, is better. I, I think it would. I really, really do. I like Sunday night. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch anytime, Thursday nights, Wednesday night, whatever. But I thought Sunday, it was really fitting. And it fills that void of the, the NFL, right, for – for eight months out of the year, there's playoff hockey, there's playoff 
basketball, there's golf. I know, uh, big events, uh, races, you know, NASCAR races, there's uh, baseball, usually day games on Sundays, but man, boxing, fighting, MMA, it fits on Sundays. Let's, uh, let's try to make that happen. Will you? All right. Uh, I got a contact from my, my good friend, Todd Carson, who, uh, recently he listened to one of the recent podcasts regarding, uh, regarding uh the fast food draft i did with my roommate mike jarbo and uh, todd had some thoughts todd had some random thoughts first of all he sent a video of uh madison Baumgartner and joe west who had their stare down he wanted he wanted uh my reaction and kind of breaking that down with me and bill barnes so uh, we're gonna do that in the show i'm actually gonna record with bill barnes later today also so it's a full monday it's a busy busy day uh, so look for that as one of the topics, uh, for Bill Barnes and I, but, uh, Todd wrote in here. Cause I, even before the fast food draft I did with, uh, Mike, I talked about, uh, some hot dogs and how I thought the Dodger dog was extremely overrated. And, um, as having been a, a ballpark hot dog connoisseur, you know, I, I think there's better options out there. I think the Dodger dog is overrated and, um, yeah, so Todd, Todd tuned in, tuned in here, and these were his comments. Todd Carson, random thoughts. He goes, I agree with you on the Dodger dog and Del Taco. UC Irvine has the best ballpark hot dog. I agree with you, Todd. I don't know if they still do, but there was a time when the Del, uh, the Del Taco, the um, UC Irvine uh, hot dog. You know, that's the fun thing about college baseball is the concessions are pretty good. You know, anyone who's been to a Cal State Fullerton game will we'll talk about the kettle corn, right? Or the Philly's best, those cheesesteaks that they made right there, or that, that cookie and ice cream. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but it's a uh, two cookies, uh, like a sandwich with ice cream in the middle um, made fresh right there. So those are some great things that in, uh, in ballpark food, but yeah, UC Irvine, definitely a really good hot dog. And one thing Todd and I do that a lot of people out there will probably think we are ridiculous for doing is uh, we go we, we go mayonnaise on the hot dog. Yes, yes, mayonnaise. I, I know, I know. It's crazy. We're lunatics. I think we started that with the, uh, the cardiac dogs, those uh, hot dogs that are made on the street, you know, with the after sporting events and things at the Coliseum or uh, Staples Center. You got people out there with the little carts that grilling up hot dogs and onions. Probably totally bad for you, but uh, we called them cardiac dogs. And I think we started uh, putting mayonnaise on dogs there but uh uc irvine great dog uc riverside i believe had a pretty good hot dog not a fan of long beach state not a fan um and not to discriminate against the other big league uh, club here in southern california but you know nothing about the uh the angel hot dog the angel stadium hot dog was very good either but um yeah uc irvine i don't know what it was really really good hot dog okay um here's what todd said additionally he goes crispy cream should have been one of your top drafts pick and so too Philly's best Todd. I can't argue that. I, I think an umpire needs to admit when he's wrong. And uh, in, in lieu of the draft there. Yeah, I was wrong. And after the draft, I talked to Mike about a few things. I was like, how did we forget this place or, th- or that place? And Philly's best was one of them. Todd Carson and I go get a lot of Philly's best when he's in town. And I was like, how did I forget Philly's best? cheesesteak on a hoagie i mean oh so good um 
Yeah, I we I totally forgot about that. And then uh, another one was uh, Fazoli's. It's like a fa- it's like it's pretty good Italian food, fast food, uh, really really good. Krispy Kreme. I don't know what else you get there. I mean, the, the glazed original donut is is amazing. It's hard to eat just one dozen, but uh, yeah. So I hear you, Todd. I hear you. And uh, now I let you down. Chiba Hut. For those of you that don't know what Chiba Hut is, C H E B A Chiba Hut mostly down in San Diego. It's a sandwich shack. It's got some amazing sandwiches. Uh, give that a try anytime you're down in San Diego. I think there's one in Vegas too, or a couple in Vegas. So those are the places you can get that. Uh, that could have been on our list as well. So again, think that over. And if I had to do it over again, yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have thrown in Philly's best somewhere. I would have pulled probably Carl's Jr. out of there. I don't know what that was. That was some kind of, that was some, you know, brutal draft pick that I just, I was in a breakfast mood and I threw that in there for some reason. But yeah, I, I should have gone with Philly's best. Could have thrown in Krispy Kreme, and then I got a, a, a scathing email from uh, John Lee up north talking about how could you not put five guys in there. So my apologies. Yeah, after. I've never been a huge Five Guys fan, but after thinking about it, again, in the weeks following the draft here, I'm like, ah, I should have put them in the top 10. I should have brought them. It's a pretty good burger. It's big. There's a lot going on. That was my argument was that there was too much going on, but um, pretty, pretty good. And uh, um, yeah, should have been in there. So I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Uh, you know, um, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. It was my first ever draft. I was nervous. It was tough. Mike was picking places that I didn't see coming. I had to, you know, strategize and everything. So, hey, that's life. So here was Todd's uh, comments on the draft. Todd said, cool idea with the draft. I thought the music was too loud. Yes, it was. My apologies on that. Uh, you live and you learn. He says, it might make it more interesting if you choose a sport and stuck with the analogies of one sport. That way the listener could have a better idea of who, quote, won the draft. <laughs> Okay. I hear you, Todd. Um, but I'll say as part of the fun, it was, it was fun bouncing around and throwing out football analogies and baseball analogies. And um, we'll improve. I think we'll do it again later, later down the road. And what I might do is bring in a few different people so that it can be a little more difficult and things come off the board that you won. And we got to go a little deeper, but I thought each, each of us drafting, man, what was it? 12, 12 places uh was a lot of fun so if you haven't heard that podcast it was a couple weeks ago on a friday the fast food draft um kind of on a note of episodes i want to tell you guys about our guest on friday friday we're going to be joined by my good friend from the san diego area mike gashopo he's a san diego county sheriff a former minor league baseball umpire we started the same year together mike worked a lot longer than i did got to triple a uh, had a great minor league career uh, he's been out a couple of years now and he has uh, become a San Diego County Sheriff's deputy. Well, it was back in February. I shared this with a few people that um, Mike was pretty severely beaten in down in a San Diego jail and a pretty scary moment. I didn't realize when I saw the news article that it was a few months prior. So I reached out to him and talked with him and uh, he was fine. He was uh, back to work, you know, a week later, but uh, we were chatting and said, man, we gotta, we gotta talk sometime soon. And so he wanted to do the podcast after I think he saw somebody else on a show and was like, yeah, let's, let's do one. So Mike was gracious enough to join me. We recorded last week. So that's who you're going to hear from 
on this Friday, a San Diego Sheriff's Deputy, Mike Gashopo, who recently survived a pretty uh, violent attack in a, uh, in a jail down in San Diego. And uh, he'll talk to me about that experience. And then also his, uh, you know, professional baseball umpiring career. He's also a big Chargers fan. So we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of our conversation. But that's just to give you guys an idea of who's coming on the podcast on uh, next or this Friday. So uh, I'm joined by Bill Barnes, of course, on Wednesday, but uh, Micah Shopo on Friday. So you don't want to miss that episode. And, and guys, I'm still working on guests. I'm reaching out every week. Uh, I'm still able to get one guest per week, which is a miracle, it seems like. But uh, some people I know are busy. Some people are hesitant. If you have any suggestions or have talked to somebody who you think would be a, a good fit here on the podcast, by all means, reach out to me and you know how to do that on the, the various ways to contact me and the podcast. Okay. Let's see. What else are we talking about today? Man, the coffee tastes good. Um, oh, I thought about this the other day. I was, uh, you know how uh, like sports is getting all woke, right? And, and even commentators uh, and then before the game, everyone's got to talk about this cause or that cause. And you just get all this preaching to you during games now and talk down to at times. I wish back in a uh, college football national championship game, they do this. It's like a mega cast where they offer like the game in many different versions. You can uh, do one with the home radio. You can do one with like a round table of coaches who are analyzing the game. Uh, you can do one that I loved. It was called the in stadium or stadium option. So there was no broadcasters. It was just the game, the clock, the, and, and you actually heard the, the PA guy in the stadium. That was it you know, uh, first down Alabama, you know, that was all you would hear. I loved it. I was like, I could get used to this. Uh, I wish there were more options for sports viewing where you could turn, you know, uh, an, an unwoke, an unwoke version or something. Let me push them. Okay. I want the un, un much like you can turn on uh, captions, right. Or uh, subtitles on and off. I wish you could do something like that with like, okay, can, can we, can we watch the unwoke version of this broadcast? Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, watching some sports and they were talking to me uh, about something or other. So I was like, you know what? Life would be much better if, uh, if we could just, just watch a version of sports where, where I don't get, you know, talked down to about how, uh, how horrible my country is or whatever. Okay. Um, okay. We got to talk about something I didn't think I'd talk about here on the podcast. Uh, at least not so soon, I guess, but, uh, this is from, uh, 210 sports, which covers high school sports in, um, in the, the San Gabriel Valley. And, uh, this was, uh, some news I heard from, uh, football coach, Mark Carson of Rio Hondo prep. Uh, he tweets this out and, you know, uh, the Rio Hondo prep softball team is uh, playing some good ball and has advanced to the, I believe it's the semifinals. They've advanced to the semifinals and are going to be playing Lompoc on Tuesday, a team from way up in uh, Central California, uh, quite a ways away. I don't know if it's home or away for the Rio Hondo Prep Cares. The, the Lady Cares uh, ha have played some great softball, and it's really in large part to their pitcher, Tatiana Four, uh, who has just put up tremendous numbers um, in, in the playoffs. I mean, it just shuts teams down. And uh, I don't know much uh, about her or, or the team, uh, but I do know that they're, uh, they're, they're winning ballgames and they're making a playoff run here. So I, I've said before on the podcast that 
man, any, anytime real Hondo prep is doing well, I don't care what the sport is. Uh, we're going to, we're going to comment on it and, and cheer them on. So real Hondo prep softball is 17 and three overall seven and one in league play the prep league. So, you know, there was a time in, in girls sports at Rio where, I don't know, they were kind of that lower tier, especially in like softball, they're getting, you know, kicked around a lot. Um, but in recent years, the softball program has just elevated big time. And it's not to say the other sports haven't either. I mean, some good volleyball teams and basketball teams, uh, real Honda, the girls have won a few basketball titles. I don't know in the past 10, 15 years or whatever, but, and been in the title game quite a bit. So a uh, pretty good history there, but softball, I think they, they may have got to the finals one time ever. I, I could be wrong about that, but uh, the softball team uh, has, I think it's in large part due to the facility upgrade. I know uh, Joe Parker is uh, a coach over there and he has done a tremendous job with elevating the facilities there on field three uh, really made it into a, a much better uh, what would you call it softball field basically uh, but Joe Parker Christy Horton and uh, Lexi Parker the three coaches on the staff there have uh, have done a great job in making the program just that much better so uh, if you haven't seen a game over there in a while I think they're they're posted Mr. Bray posts them later on Facebook too uh, the facility looks great facility looks really great a nice place to go uh to go watch a, a ball game a softball game so let's look at the playoffs here um the cares ended uh their season the regular season it looks like that uh, was non-league okay they ended uh in uh, on the 28th but on wednesday june 2nd rio hondo shut out nogales eight nothing and then followed that uh win up with on uh, friday june 4th beating uh, Bloomington High School two to one. So only allowed two runs in uh, two, or excuse me, one run in two games. So uh, Kiana Dior is just uh, four, excuse me, just uh, mowing down batters. Let's see, she had an appearance against, who was this against? I'm, I'm semi-prepared here. I guess Nogales in the uh, the first playoff game, uh, Miss Fior had uh, eight strikeouts facing uh, 25 batters. So a pretty good ratio there. Gave up three hits, seven innings pitch. Uh, not a bad day at the office. Uh, let's follow that game up with the most recent game at uh, Bloomington, against Bloomington, I should say, a two-to-one victory for Rio. And it was, again, uh, Kiana Four on not on the mound, but in the circle, as they say. Another seven innings pitch, allowed one run, four hits and uh, struck out 13. So uh, she's really, you know, the strength of the team and has uh, carried the cares here uh, to the, I, I don't know if it's, I think it's a semifinals. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. If, if so, I apologize. Okay. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Two to one victory. It was her 15th win, uh, by the way, uh, with another complete game shutout and uh not a shutout in this in this in this uh, time but yeah the real hondo prep softball team in the playoffs uh, upcoming here against lompoc so uh, however you're gonna follow follow the uh, lady cares out there uh let's see okay no he advanced to the quarterfinals so real softball advanced to the quarterfinals with a two win okay so tuesday uh tomorrow is the quarterfinals so a win away from the semifinals 
and I'm not sure if the uh, if Rio's going to have to travel or not. But uh, if they travel, Lompoc's a pretty pretty tough drive. That's a really really far away. So hopefully they're coming down here. But either way, we wish the Cares luck as they uh, continue forward in their in their softball journey here. Um, man, that would be awesome to bring home a a title in in softball. Uh, there hasn't been one hung yet. A few years ago, the Rio baseball team um, they. Uh, won their first CIF baseball championship. So in recent years, Real Hondo Prep has won their first basketball champion, boys basketball championship, their first boys baseball championship. Actually, boys appeared in the CIF final game in boys volleyball. That was new. And then uh, Real Hondo, the girls right now, uh, pursuing the first uh, softball championship in school history. So we're wishing them luck. We'll be pulling for them. I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be, checking my phone on Tuesday uh, for score updates and everything, but always pay uh, pay tribute to, to my alma mater, the real Hondo prep uh, cares. And, and again, I'm a proud alumnus and somebody that is always going to talk Rio sports, no matter what team is doing well, if one team is doing well, we're going to give them some love and, um, and yeah, good luck. Good luck, ladies, go get them on Tuesday. We'll be pulling for you as well as a lot of other, uh, fans and alumni from all over the country. So we, we, I hope next week I'm talking again about some more real Hondo prep softball. We'll, we'll talk one, one way or another if they lose or not. Uh, but if they win, we'll be, uh, we'll definitely be a little more excited and, and wishing, uh, wishing them great success in the future. Okay. Some uh, things that occurred in sports over the weekend, uh, Julio Jones in the NFL was traded to the Titans uh, it was surprising to me that he they he's only traded for like a second or and a third round pick or whatever. He clearly wanted out of there. Um, I don't know if this makes the Titans all that much better or not. Um, that team is still based around Derrick Henry. It's not like Julio is not a great wide receiver. He, he is. I mean, he's put up some great numbers and I'm curious how this fits. I had the, the if he's going to still be the star that he was in Atlanta or if maybe Tennessee because they're so run oriented if maybe his numbers decline and if, if he is happy or not I don't know uh you knew he was going to go somewhere I'm honestly glad he's not in the NFC or specifically the NFC West it seems like Seattle always is trying to make a move but uh, anyway Julio Jones to the Titans uh interesting I like it I, overall I like it I think it's uh, it's it's cool it's a fresh start for him and, and the Titans gives them another uh big weapon to see if they can get up there into the next level with, you know, the Buffalo bills of the world, the Kansas city chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, those teams seem to be the, the, the Kings of the AFC right now. And, and I think the next tier down is kind of that Tennessee, Indianapolis uh, bunch. So anyway, um, all right. The NHL, the NHL is in the round two of their playoffs and uh, we'll break those series down right now. But the big news over the weekend was that the NHL, uh, has finally come to an agreement with the Canadian government in the sense that they are going to allow uh, NHL teams to cross the uh, to cross the border. Uh, which remember, American teams have only played American teams, and hockey or hockey uh, Canada teams have only played each other in the uh, the seven Canadian seven team Canadian division, and now they are going to. Um, be able to in the the conference finals uh stanley cup semis finals whatever you want to call it they're going to be able to uh cross the border and play each other so this is from uh, cbs sports 
I want to read to you briefly, uh, quote, while sports in the United States have returned to a state that resembles their normal operations pre-pandemic, sports across the border in Canada remain heavily regulated as the Canadian government continues a more conservative approach in response to COVID-19. That's posed a problem for the National Hockey League, but a way has now been cleared for the Stanley Cup playoffs to proceed without major issues. According to a report by Emily Kaplan of ESPN, the NHL has reached an agreement with Canadian, the Canadian government that will allow for teams to travel across the border between the U.S. and Canada, beginning with the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. NHL teams traveling to Canada from the United States will now be able to play in the country, but will have to arrive via private jet, be subject to daily COVID testing, and remain in the modified quarantine bubble where they have no contact with the general public. So you, you kind of knew or had hoped that this would eventually uh, happen, come to terms, right? Because just playing, you can't have the Stanley Cup playoffs without you know, crossing the border. So they got to, they got to it. And I don't know why this couldn't have been figured out earlier. It's not like you were magically going to come up with some solution. It was going to be, okay, we can cross the border, but you guys got to stay in your hotel room. You've got to be in this bubble. Like you could have done that. Heck, probably at the beginning of the season, anytime you cross the border, extra strict bubble guidelines. I don't know. Uh, but they got it done. So that's good. Right before, uh, as the second round is kind of wrapping up here, and we can have uh, somewhat of a normal NHL uh, postseason, NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals. Because again, remember, as I told you before, it's been since 93, I believe, where uh, since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. So they're going to get a pretty good uh, shot at it here, being in the final four anyway. And uh, we'll see what happens. So to round two, we go catch up as of Monday morning uh, in the, in the, uh, NHL playoffs, the uh, Boston Bruins and New York Islanders are tied uh, two games apiece. So uh, game five is, is uh, today, t- today in, uh, let's see, in the afternoon. So that's something to watch if uh, you're looking for something, something good, uh, kind of that East Coast flavor there. Uh, Montreal, they lead the Winnipeg Jets. My beloved Winnipeg Jets, uh, they lead them three games to none. So that series is probably over, although we've seen some comebacks in the NHL before, right? Uh, down in the uh, south, the Carolina Hurricanes, or is it the Carolina? It's the, I always mix up the Florida Panthers and the Carolina, not the Carolina Panthers. That's the team. Who is the Carolina Hurricanes? That's the NFL team. Okay. So the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay leads three to one. So uh, game five is on Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon there for us uh, hockey fans. And finally, the other series out West, the Las Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche tied it to a piece game five on Tuesday as well. So some pretty good series still, still a lot of good hockey left and man, games, games five, six, and seven upcoming for some of these series. I mean, uh, what's not to love about it uh, after let's see, probably Tuesday. So by the weekend, we should be down to the final four of hockey. And that, that will include uh, one team from Canada. So uh, big things ahead. We're really looking forward to more playoff hockey. I saw there was a vicious hit. I can't remember the game. I can't remember, but I was, it, it, dude got clocked and dropped and it was an illegal hit and the guy was suspended and this and that. He was carried off on a stretcher, but I was super impressed as a fight is breaking out right next to the body on the ice. One of the referees skates over there and just gets in between the guy like on the ground. 
who's unconscious or whatever, and just kind of made sure that the scrum didn't spill into him. I was like, it was super quick thinking, quick acting, whoever that referee was, man. And those, those NHL referees are just, they are studs, whatever they're paid. It's not enough. Uh, they just unbelievable stuff. So I, I can't wait for uh, the, the final four of the NHL. I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in more than I, than I have been just cause I've been glued to the TV with all these uh, college baseball playoff games. I know I'm crazy, but that's just what I've been up to. Um, I will say one thing about the, the Lakers. Okay. I want to say one thing about them. I try not to talk Laker basketball, at least not this year. Um, I despise LeBron James. I despise it. Almost everything about him. And um, you know, he once again has, now, now, again, every time LeBron loses in the playoffs, you ever, it's, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. The greatest of all time loses in the playoffs, and it's not his fault. I thought you were the savior, King James. A couple of years ago, you didn't even make the playoffs, and then this year you, you're out in the first round. Maybe if you spent less time in all your activism and uh, stirring up things, maybe you'd be a little more successful. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I know, Matt, he's been to the finals uh, a million times and, uh, you know, he's going to play forever. He's, he's the most complete player, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I want LeBron James to go away. Go away, please. Go away and stop with your uh, false narratives. Of, uh, but Matt, he made us, he, he created a school for kids. Okay, cool. Congrats, man. Way to go. I just, uh, I'm so sad, so glad he's out of these uh, these playoffs. But which which pain for me it pains me to say. You know, I had a saying uh, a couple of years ago when you know the Lakers signed LeBron, and this is before even more recent events with him, where I I just as soon as he signed, I'm like, oh man, there goes my Laker fandom. I don't like the guy. I can't I can't despise. I'm I'm not like these these uh, these Dodger fans who who. They, they hate the San Francisco Giants, but love the San Francisco 49ers. Like, I, I can't still fathom that. Uh, but uh, I am not a guy that is just, they're on my team, so I love them. No, 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 no. There's plenty of guys on, on teams uh, that I've rooted for that I do not like and have been tempted to step away from the fanhood before. But when LeBron James signed the Lakers, that was, I was like, nope, nope. I, I like the Lakers more than I like LeBron and I, I will not have him tarnish the legacy of, of, of the Laker greats before him by, by him being uh, you know, one of the Laker greats. Cause he's not a Laker, he's a Cavalier. And um, anyway, but with LeBron James and the Lakers uh, people were like, Oh Matt, you, you stay, you know, you're just a, uh, I don't know what you, what you would call me for being a Laker fan and then stepping away. But my, my big thing, you know, cause when Donald Trump was elected president, everyone's like, not my president, not my president. So I kind of echoed that, that statement. I was like, uh, not my Lakers. These are not my, this is not my Lakers. My Lakers are, uh, are LeBron less. So when he's gone, I'll probably be back. But with the NBA in general, I am not interested not interested in the least, but I do want to say something about Laker fans. Not all of you, but um, some of you, some of you are extremely annoying and it was very predictable. And I want to say the Laker fans probably do this worse than Yankee fans, worse than cowboy fans. Yeah. 
Those are the teams probably. Whenever the Lakers lose a playoff series, you see more posts about Laker championships than probably when Lakers actually win championships. I feel like Laker fans are so insecure. They can't just accept a loss. Yeah. My team got beat. They weren't Laker fans have to post, you know, 17 time world, world titles. And they got to list all the, Hey, Hey, yeah. Clippers. You still don't have one of these. Oh, Phoenix Suns, Ha ha. Yeah. You, you, you beat us, us, us. And it's all this us. And we talk, uh, which is hilarious, but like come out of the woodworks defending like the history of your team. It's not about history. When you lose in the playoffs, like the two teams don't get matched up in the playoffs and, and they don't look and say, wait, how many world titles does this team have? Okay. They have 17. Okay. This team has one or none. Okay. Yep. We're going to advance the team with, with the, the, uh, the, the more championships. They have more championships. They should advance and don't even play the games. It's not a contest of who has the better history playoffs are about current history, present events, playing a game between or a series between two teams to determine who's better that day or in that series. But Laker fans, it's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's like getting, you get broken up with, with a, with a girl or something. And then I don't know where I'm gonna go with this analogy. This could be bad. Uh, you get broken up with and then you're like, yeah, well, uh, I dated someone before you. What? What are you talking about? If there's a debate as to who the greatest franchise is in NBA history or uh, something along those lines, then by all means, yeah. And if you want to proudly wear all the, the Laker championships on your chest or your back or wherever, hang a banner, that's, that's cool. But for goodness sake, when you lose... Don't be that guy. Yeah, well, more championships than you. You sound like a child. Just lick your wounds and, and look forward to next season. For good, I mean, I just hate this this petty attitude. So stupid. It's so stupid. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, you have a great history. One of the one of the great great NBA organizations. But to sit there. Sit there, go. Well, this is—it's like to make you feel better. It's like it's like venting to try to make you still relevant, I guess. And it's like Laker fans, your your team's out of the playoffs. Out of the playoffs. Sure, you can sit there in the end of the night uh, and just. What would make you more happy? Sitting there on the bed in the edge of your bed staring at a blank TV with no Laker playoff game on because they're out of the playoffs and just thinking to yourself, man, 17 championships. though it's pretty great. Or to physically be watching your team play in the playoffs, pursuing an 18th championship. (laughs) So Laker fans always do this. Look at social media whenever the Lakers lose in the playoffs and it's like, yeah, well, 17 championships. I'd much rather root for a team that it's like, Stop it. You sound ridiculous. You sound absolutely ridiculous. My Rams have won one Super Bowl and it was in freaking St. Louis. All right. A very proud, fun day, but I don't at the end of every season. Yeah. Well, at least the Rams have won a Super Bowl. I don't, I don't do that. I want them to win another Super Bowl. That's the whole reason you watch games. You don't watch games because you're like, 
Yep, them Yankees. My Yankees have won 27 World Series or 27, whatever it is. Dallas Cowboy fans. Oh, that's bad too. Oh, that's, oh, that's bad. Five Super Bowls and haven't been relevant in 20-something years. And I truly do mean that. I respect their fans who, who are in Dallas, I guess, because um, I went out there and they were – it was one of the best experiences ever for me was being out there in, in Dallas watching a game. But uh, anytime the Cowboys lose, yeah, well, talk to me when your team has five Super Bowls. Oh, okay. Uh, Navy football and God bless the service academies. They used to win national titles too, but I wouldn't go as far to say, you know, Navy football is right up there with uh, Alabama. Recent relevance matters, I guess is my point. And I know the Lakers won the, the world championship last year in the bubble. Um, it was great for the city. I guess hated seeing LeBron win another championship. Uh, but Recent relevance matters and you can't, it's, I, I love history. It's important to learn from history, whether it be, um, whether it be sports, whether it be um, military, you know, wars and, and just significant events throughout history and even mistakes throughout history. You learn from those things, but this whole concept of like, like, can you imagine, say, 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 uh, I don't know, say the U.S. goes to war with someone here and I, I hope not, but let's say they go war with someone here in, in um, recent future. Recent future, is that a word? In the near future, man, I'm all over the place. See, when you're by yourself, you just, you, you ramble, your throat gets dry. Anyway, they, they go and they just get absolutely obliterated. Let's say, I don't even know. I don't want to think of, I don't want to promote any kind of big war or anything, but say the U.S. went in there and then they lost and, and they were like, yeah, well, you know what? We've won a lot of other wars. Okay, yeah, that's, that's true, but you just got destroyed. In, in the, you know, that's an example. I don't know if it's a good example, but uh, yeah, Laker fans, you you drive me crazy. And I understand why. It's annoying from other people around the world of basketball. I, I, I am a Laker fan. All right. I've taken some time off from the Lakers. I should say I was a Laker fan. I'm not a fan of anyone right now in the NBA. But man, when you lose a game, I think that speaks like ultimate. I, I, don't, I always look at the bigger picture in society with all that. And I'm like, what does that say about us? What does that say? It's like this. We're trying to feel good. Maybe it's a way for, for some people to uh, suppress their feelings or I, I don't know. Losing hurts. Losing sucks. I hated losing more than I liked winning. I've always been that way. And I understand that it's hard. And it's a game. As I, as I grow older, like I'm watching, I'm like, these are just games. It doesn't really matter. It's fun to watch. It's fun to cheer. But even when your team wins, like, you're happy in the moment and maybe for a week or so. And then it's like, eh, you remember, you remember, oh man, when my team won the, the championship, that was a great feeling. And it's a fun memory, but life continues to go on too. But I feel like some people are so uh, they're, they're, they're so invested emotionally that they just want to feel better. 
you know, like when the, the girl, okay, maybe this one's better. The girl breaks up with you and, you know, you, you talk with your friends and you're just like, yeah, she wasn't right for you anyway. Well, they never said that in the moment, or maybe you even felt that, but you like to make yourself feel better. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm better. I'm better moving on from her or whatever. Another example. I'm not a big dating expert guy. I haven't had that much experience, but those seems to be the analogies that work for people. Laker fans, get it together. Just accept that you lost. You lost. Phoenix Suns were better. Don't, don't get into a, uh, uh, a look at me contest with how great your, your, uh, your history has been. Don't be that guy. That's sad. That's weak. It's, it's weak. Be better than that. Be better than that. I'd like to think you're better than that, but I'm not so sure. Clean it up. Clean it up, Laker fans. It's, uh, it's not good. Laker fans always do this. And, and if you don't believe me, just, just look for it now. Look for it now that I've said that. All right. Finally, on to the NCAA baseball regionals. And I have been fired up. I've always liked college baseball. Even before I got into umpiring, I remember when I flipped on the college world series because college baseball was never on. You saw college basketball, you saw college football, but as a kid, college world series would come on. And I was like, what is this? This Oh, there's eight teams, not just two teams. Like it was intriguing. The metal bats. And I know metal bats aren't always uh, great or whatever. And there's, there's uh, arguments against them. But as a kid, you're swinging a metal bat. These guys, college guys are, are swinging a metal bat. Like it was, I was like, okay, this is, it, it was more like I could relate to it more. So I always liked it. And then as I went into high school, I was, a you know, I was going to Cal State Florida baseball games. I learned a lot more about baseball and, and to, to love it more, love the game more. Um, when I started umpiring, that was actually my long-term goal. I was like, I want to get into college baseball, not knowing much about the minor leagues or anything else. So it's just funny how things work out. But anyway, I, um, I've always been fascinated by it. And as you umpire college baseball, you know, most guys who umpire it can't stand watching it. Can't stand other than being on the field for their games. They just, it, it is different. And, th- and there's plenty of problems in college baseball. I'll say that there are plenty of problems. It's imperfect, but what is so, uh, but I would make an argument. Oh, here we go. Oh, got it. Okay. Watching uh, Mississippi state and Campbell right now. And uh, it's a regional final, but anyway, um, I can't, truly explain it why i'm intrigued some things you just like you don't know why you like it but you like it and that's good enough right so i love the the regionals it's uh 16 sites as i mentioned last week there's 32 games friday 32 games saturday 32 games on sunday and today i think there's like uh, eight games for the remaining regional finals so i've always enjoyed that and enjoyed watching college baseball and uh, it's just crazy. You see wild things that happen. And I think because no one, not many people know about it or like it, that's probably why I have this uh, extra interest in it because it's not as popular. Some popular things I like, like the NFL, but other things I kind of veer off. And it's just like, why do you like that so much? I'm like, well, because not many other people do. And I kind of find it interesting. So uh, the regionals were this weekend. Most of them are complete. A few storylines I wrote down that I wanted to touch on um, with so many games going on. Uh, Let's see. So in the tournament, as I mentioned last week, there's 16 sites, four teams per site. 
um, a one and the seeds are ranked one, two, three, four, a four seed for a four seed to advance and win a tournament. That would be like a, in basketball, March madness, a, a 13, 14, 15, or 16 seed advancing to the final four. That's like, or even the second weekend to win a couple of games. That's how significant it would be if a four seed won, right? Uh, typically your, your one seed is the host of the, of the four team regional and it's double elimination. As I talked about last week, uh, as soon as three teams lose two games, the uh, tournament's over and the one team remaining advances. So, uh, you can win it just three games in a row, you know, go three and oh, and, uh, that would leave everyone else with two, two losses or as in today, um, when you get to that final game on Sunday, it's a two Oh two and oh matchup against a two and one matchup. So if the two and one team wins, then obviously the undefeated team now has a loss and you got to play an extra game. So that's why there's these extra games today. Um, the game seven of the regional. So uh, very exciting stuff. Most of the regionals are finalized, um, but there are a few here that are still taking place. Campbell and Mississippi state. This is actually a two. This is actually a game six, a two Oh versus two and one game because there was some weather issues. So if Campbell wins this game, uh, they're down one right now. If they win this game, they would force a game seven. They'd have to play uh, again, you know, an hour after. So that's just to give you guys a little, little, uh, some things there, but a few notes I wrote down. First of all, uh, Arkansas was ranked the number one overall seed in the tournament. Right. And that's significant because there's only been one number one seed since the uh, 1999, when the tournament expanded to 64 teams, only one number one overall seed has won the tournament. And that was in 1999, uh, the Miami hurricanes. So uh, just cause you're ranked number one, doesn't mean you're always uh, going to, you know, get to Omaha or advance. And so, um, but that just give you guys an idea and each regional site, 16 teams, roughly uh, one through 16 is basically who hosted. So that's, we'll know, I'll be able to tell you if a seed was a one, two, 14, 15 or whatever uh, overall seed, but usually a three or a four seed in these regionals does not advance. So it's pretty significant when they do. All right. Um, first of all, the squeeze play channel on ESPN, phenomenal, similar to the um, NFL red zone. Uh, will they bounce, bounce around to different regionals? It's hard to watch you know, four games at once, but squeeze play really helps with that. So if you are looking for uh, to kind of keep your eye on a bunch of regionals without having to keep your, your, you know, clicker going, the squeeze play, it was great. You know, they, they go to uh, key situations in games. It's all live and they just bounce around. Sometimes they go split screen. It's like the NFL red zone, which is again, a, a spectacular uh, experience in itself um, on Friday night. This was incredible. Uh, Wright State was a four seed playing in Tennessee against the Volunteers. They were winning uh, into the ninth inning. They were up eight to five. And the Tennessee Volunteers, I'll say this too, that place was rocking. And some of these places, most of these places I've noticed, you know, no masks, full crowds. It's great. It's, it's, uh, it's normal life, which is incredible. But anyway, Tennessee was down eight five going into the bottom of the ninth over Wright State. I mean, Wright State, a four seed, was going to take down a number one team. And sometimes that happens with great pitching, right? So Wright State is up eight to five. They allow some runners. Um, it gets to be the bases loaded on the second pitch of an at-bat. Uh, dude hits a walk-off grand slam to win the game for Tennessee, nine to eight. Pandemonium. I mean, uh, those fans, those Tennessee fans were, were losing their mind. If you haven't seen it or seen a highlight, 
uh, go just type in walk off grand slam in Tennessee. Uh, there's a few different camera angles and things. So that was the biggest uh, moment I would say from Friday night, not uh, right state just had their hearts uh, ripped out and uh, they would ultimately end up, uh, end up losing the next days to be eliminated. But they had Tennessee, they had the home team uh, down to their last few outs and a walk-off grand slam, which you don't see too often where a team is down three runs and hits the grand slam. Maybe you see a grand slam when a game is tied or something like that. But for all four runs to matter in the grand slam was pretty awesome to see. And really got the regionals off with a bang on Friday night in, uh, in, uh, down in Knoxville. Uh, huge news, probably the second day, the biggest significant news was University of Florida being eliminated, going 0-2, losing their first two games. Uh, and not just that they lost, they were blown out by, I think it was South Alabama. It was like 19-3. I mean, you do not see stuff like that happen uh, in, in game. I mean, South Alabama just absolutely destroyed Florida and that regional itself, Florida, Miami, South Alabama, South Florida, who, who would you think would be the last two teams remaining in that one? Well, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not Florida and it's not Miami. <laughs> so pretty wild. That was, uh, I mean, Florida was ranked 15th in the country was hosting the regional and, uh, just blown out and uh, bowed out. So, uh, that was the huge news from Saturday. Um, Southern Miss uh, and Notre Dame on Saturday had two offensive explosions. They didn't play each other, two separate regionals. But Southern Miss put up 21 runs in their second game of the regional. Notre Dame did them a few better on day two as well. Their second game, they put up 20, 26 runs uh, in one. This is one game, mind you, not a doubleheader. This is one game. So uh, anytime you see... Uh, crooked numbers like that. I mean, that's uh, definitely a cause for concern. You're like, Oh my, but that's what happens with some of these lower seas. They run out of pitching and it just turns into a hit parade. So a uh, Southern miss who's still playing today, playing a uh, uh, old miss in the regional final down there. Uh, they're uh, looking to advance, but yeah, 21 runs from them. And then Notre Dame, it wasn't just that game. That was their biggest scoring game. They put up double digits, I think in all three of their games offensively so that Notre Dame offense although you could argue they won't, won't weren't going up against great pitching uh, Notre Dame can, can swing it and put up a, a quite a bit of runs so watch out for them they have advanced into the super regionals um okay Cody Huff of Stanford uh he hit not one but two grand slams on uh sun was it Sunday no it wasn't Sunday it was Saturday uh day two hit two grand slams um in one game, I remember Fernando Tatis uh, Sr. for the St. Louis Cardinals back in the day hit not one but two grand slams in the same inning off of Dodger pitcher Chan Ho Park. Look it up if you don't believe me. That was really something. This wasn't the same inning, but Cody Huff of Stanford, two, uh, not just two bombs in the same game, but two grand slams. Uh, you just don't see that often. So that was cool to see. Uh, Campbell and Samford, not Stanford, Samford uh, played in a game. I wrote down this score just because it would look like a football score. Uh, 16 to 13, Campbell uh, won in advance and now is in the uh, regional final here with Mississippi State. Uh, but that was that was crazy. That's a long game. That's tough, right? They, they won by a field goal. Must have been a, a long one there. So Campbell wins 16-13. Um, Duke, uh, the Duke Blue Devils, even though they lost, 
um, and were eliminated. And they won the ACC tournament last week. They come into this Tennessee regional uh, loaded, pretty good team. Um, they actually were eliminated on Sunday, but it was not without the efforts of RJ Shrek, who's actually a Southern California kid, um, played for the Arcadia Astros, I believe, in the summer ball, who we've, uh, we have some uh, affiliation with them. But a Southern California kid, I think, played in the Los Angeles area in high school. But uh, RJ Shrek hit three home runs in one game against Wright State in the Knoxville Regional that uh, eliminated Wright State after their heartbreaking loss the night before. So uh, congrats to him, RJ Shrek, uh, quite the big night uh, from him. And then I wrote this down, Central Michigan eventually lost in the Notre Dame Regional, but I absolutely loved watching these guys. Um, these guys, you talk about a team that, that, that bunts and attacks. These guys were bunting left and right. Uh, their number three hitter, number three hitter, Zach Gillis, in one game, the game I was watching had four, count them, four bunt singles from the number three hitter. Um, you could say, oh, your number three hitter is supposed to you know, hit for power or whatever, but four bunt singles in one game, that really goes to show you the type of team that the Chippewas were from Central Michigan. I loved watching them. They advanced to the, the final against Notre Dame before losing. But in the, the same game on Sunday, the, the, the elimination game, uh, it was Central Michigan uh, who hit, they hit four home runs in the game and they also had eight bunts. And maybe there was more bunts after that. I stopped watching, but I couldn't believe that stat. Four home runs and eight bunt hits uh, in, in the game. And uh, four of those bunt signals for, were from one guy, Zach Gillis, who was the number three hitter. So I, I love seeing stuff like that. That's stuff you see in college baseball that you don't see in uh, Major League Baseball. So some great storylines there. And then finally, probably the, uh, big biggest swing of the tournament outside of the Tennessee Grand Slam was last night. Vanderbilt uh, eliminated. Let me make sure Georgia Tech didn't come come back in that game, by the way. Uh, but Vanderbilt uh, in the top of the ninth, they were the visiting team. They hit a uh, walk off Grand, not a walk, excuse me, not a walk off, but a Grand Slam. Uh, it was a tie game. It was the eleventh inning, and. Uh, Georgia Tech uh, fell to Vanderbilt 14 to 11. It was, uh, I think it was 9-9 when I was watching it. And uh, let's see here. It was nine. Yeah, 9-9. Nine nine. So Vanderbilt hit a grand slam in the 11th and put on another run. Georgia Tech tried to score a couple there, but uh, did ultimately lose 14 to 11. That game was uh, was on really late at night. And that was the last game of the, of the regionals on Sunday. Vanderbilt advances with a grand slam in the, in the 11th inning, real big swing there from, uh, from them. So they advance. And now I'll go regional, but those are just some crazy stories and some things I want. I wrote down that I, I was like, man, I love the, I love the regionals, crazy stories. I'm still watching more here. Um, we'll, we'll get to what's ahead here in a second, but let's go through each regional here individually. Remember I did make some predictions not all of them came true. I'll say that. Okay. I wrote down, I said, okay, Arkansas, they, uh, they are playing game seven today against Nebraska. Arkansas is two and one Nebraska three and one. So that game is on later today. Winner take all uh, that regional will play uh, the winner. That will play the winner of the Louisiana tech regional uh, that was North Carolina state. I believe I took the wolf pack. I could be wrong trying to remember. I should have probably listened to the show, but uh, North Carolina state did sweep the regional 
three and zero. So they will, they advance to the supers and they'll be facing the winner of Arkansas, Nebraska, who plays later today. All righty, Stanford up in Northern California, uh, pretty scrappy UC Irvine team won two games on Sunday to force game seven later tonight. Stanford beat UC Irvine on Saturday night by like, I think it was like 12 to two Stanford came back, beat South Dakota state, blew them out on Sunday afternoon and then beat Stanford Sunday night to force the extra game. So UC Irvine, the anteaters three and one in the regional facing Stanford, who is two and one later tonight, ESPN uh, three or something or other. Um, That's going to be a great baseball game. Looking forward to that. Texas Tech, they swept their regional three games to none. UCLA advanced to the tournament final after uh, wins over Army and North Carolina, uh, avenging an earlier loss to North Carolina, but uh, couldn't get over the uh, Red Raiders. So Texas Tech advances, and they will face the winner of that Stanford regional. All right, Arizona, the Wildcats down in Tucson. What a sight this was Saturday night. Arizona against Grand Canyon, who's from Phoenix. Full house, packed place packed house down there in uh what was it high corbett field i think was um just absolutely incredible scene uh great baseball game tucson or arizona eventually won the game but uh, arizona swept this regional they uh they beat santa barbara on sunday night to win the regional santa barbara put up a little fight in the tournament went two and two but uh, arizona was just too strong uh in mississippi the game that is coming up here shortly Ole Miss is the host. They are two and one. They're uh, playing Southern Miss, who beat them last night to force the extra game. Southern Miss is three and one. Winner take all game there that is uh, upcoming. That's going to be one heck of a ball game. Looking forward to that. The winner of that regional will face Arizona in the Super Regionals next week. All right. So we move to uh, to Carolina. East Carolina won their regional three games to none. Uh, beating Maryland in the championship game last night. Uh, Charlotte and Norfolk State were two other teams there that uh, had two losses rather quickly and were out of that regional. I talked about Vanderbilt uh, winning their uh, regional, hosting their regional on a grand slam. Uh, Sunday night, Georgia Tech made it to the championship round, but uh, had to win two and couldn't, couldn't win one. So Vanderbilt advances and will play East Carolina in next week's Super Regionals. All right, we go back to Texas, the Longhorns. You know, uh, other than Arizona State, I thought this regional was was pretty soft, although Arizona State did not get to the championship game. It was Fairfield. Yes, the hotel chain. No, the Marriott Fairfields. No, uh, they advanced to the, the tournament final, but lost to Texas. So Texas swept right through three, three games to none. And that takes us to the Florida regional that is completely upside down and backwards. Florida, the top seed, loses their first two games. They're out. The Miami Hurricanes, great tradition there. The two seed, they lose two games. They go one and two. They're out. South Alabama and South Florida are playing a winner-take-all game later today. They had to finish up game six to uh, this morning. Uh, South Alabama winning a couple of games to force that extra game today. So South Alabama at 3-1 and one against South Florida at 2-1. and one playing later today, winner take all. Uh, nobody saw that coming. A three and a four seed playing in the regional final, and the winner of that gets the opportunity to go to Austin and play the Texas Longhorns next week. So uh, keep your eye on that regional, kind of a Cinderella 
type run here for one of those two teams in South Alabama and South Florida. I mentioned the Notre Dame regional. They swept their regional three games to none. It was central Michigan, the Chippewas, the feisty guys bunting and running all over the place that got to uh, the championship game. I originally picked Michigan in this regional and uh, the Wolverines went 0 and two. So shows you how much I knew. Uh, I think I had picked Florida to win. I had picked uh, Texas to win Vandy. I'd picked to win. I think I picked, did I pick Maryland? East, you know, I took East Carolina. I took old miss. I picked UC Santa Barbara to win the Arizona regional. That didn't happen. Picked UCLA to win. I picked Irvine to win the Stanford regional. So maybe that might happen. Uh, I think I took North Carolina state. Anyway, I should have been saying that along the way, only a couple left. Bear with me. Uh, let's see here. Mississippi state. Uh, who will face the winner of that regional will face the Notre Dame regional. And right now it is two and O Mississippi state against two and one Campbell. They're in the ninth inning. Uh, Campbell uh, is going to try to uh, tie this thing up, but if they don't, they will be eliminated and Mississippi state would advance with a three games to none uh, victory. So uh, that gives us to a couple last ones here. The TCU regional TCU was the number six team in the country. They won their first game and then lost their next two. So the top seed in Fort Worth is out. Three and one, number two seed, Oregon State is playing Dallas Baptist. The two and one seed, or the the two and one, number three seed tonight, or I should say this afternoon with a winner-take-all game. uh, Dallas Baptist, the three seed, was in the driver's seat winning their first two games to go two and zero and only have to win one more, but it was Oregon state who won two games on Sunday to force the extra game Monday. So uh, a fun regional there. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's on that game on that series. So uh, we'll be watching every pitch here upcoming as soon as I'm done with this. And then uh, two more, three more regionals guys. Um, it was the South Carolina regional. Um, that actually Old Dominion was the the, the top seed uh, that is the number one seed, but it was played in South Carolina because I don't know if their facility was good enough or whatever. But Old Dominion uh, is two and one. They are playing the three seed Virginia three and one later today for a winner take all to see who advances uh, to play the winner of that Fort Worth regional. So some definite uh, upsets there in those two regionals and a couple regionals. Finally, the last two regionals that will pair up with each other next week. The Eugene regional, the Oregon ducks are two and one and playing tonight. The LSU tigers who are a three seed. Uh, they are three and one an elimination game winner advances. And it was LSU last night who won uh, the, the two games on Sunday to force this game. So uh, Oregon number 14 team in the country looking to advance. Uh, hopefully tonight uh, against the tough LSU tigers and, and head coach Paul Maneri's if, if Paul Maneri, if he loses, it will be his last game. He's already announced his, his retirement. So a lot of reasons to watch there tonight, seven o'clock on the ESPN network somewhere. And finally the Tennessee regional, uh, I mentioned Duke losing uh, a tough one um, to uh, who was it? Liberty actually beat them on Sunday. Liberty advanced to the championship game against Tennessee. Tennessee won that game and swept the regional three games to none. So, um, you know, Tough, tough break for Duke, who I thought kind of got a tough draw. All these, all these games, all these places are tough. But when you break it down, you're like, man, you were the ACC champion, conference tournament champions. And, uh, you know, one of the most consistent teams in America, I thought, were the Duke Blue Devils. To go one and two in a regional is a tough pill to swallow. 
But uh, hey, that's life in college baseball. We are down. Uh, as I mentioned, I think there's eight games today. Uh, there's games finishing up here, starting at 11, another game at one, another one at four, a couple at seven tonight, West Coast flavor, Stanford and Irvine at seven, as well as Oregon and LSU at seven. So plenty to watch, plenty more regionals. Uh, and then next weekend, I mentioned there'll be 16 teams, right? It'll be um, eight super regionals, and it's just one team against another team, a two out of three series. Four of them will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The other four will be Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday. So uh, if you're hungry for more college baseball, there'll be plenty out there. But this last weekend was amazing. Over 100 games in four days. Uh, I, I've been glued to it. And and I got I to gotta say, man, as much as I love March Madness, there's something about the college baseball postseason. So uh, that's what I have planned the rest of the day. I'll be tuning in here uh, with my good friend, Todd Carson. Maybe we'll take some uh, little videos or something. I don't know. But enjoy the rest of the college baseball postseason. Enjoy the hockey playoffs. I will be recording with Bill Barnes later tonight while we're watching some college baseball, I think, and reacting to what's going on. And that episode will be out on Wednesday. So uh, if you have any questions, you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to send something in for Bill Barnes, by all means, contact us. You know where to find us. All right. That'll wrap up today's episode of the get home safe podcast. I've rambled enough. I need more coffee. I need more water. I need more college baseball. That's what my plan is to tune in here uh, the rest of the day. Everyone have a wonderful week. Join us Wednesday for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in and on Friday for our interview with San Diego County Sheriff Deputy Mike Cachopo. A great week of shows ahead. Enjoy the college baseball. Enjoy playoff hockey. But guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, Get home safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe Podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.